Welcome to the Fat AZ Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Joined to my right, I got Vance here today, mm-hmm. Fat AZ Muskie Studios, and he's sitting right in front of Ranger. Mm-hmm. He's a little hungry these days. I still haven't picked that up. Yeah, he's lost some you teeth. Need to, you need to feed him. It's you good need to, to feed him. It's good to be back. It's it's yeah. His teeth. It's summer, so the teeth fell out. That's why the bait. Oh fell. yeah, summertime <laughs> teeth. He's gumming it. He. Uh, I haven't I haven't been in the studio for. Maybe five episodes or so, you know? Something like that. But I got him down here, and do you know how? 35 pounds of zucchinis. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> he took so many zucchinis, Todd. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we, we actually went into the garden, and we were pi- <laughs> we, we, we picked, like, another 10 for him. He had his pockets stuffed with cucumbers. Yeah. I'm going to use them at camp. Use them in Canada. So, there okay, use there's there's gardening talk. There's your green there's gardening talk. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I have I have I have chopped them up and frozen before. Not the best, but if you're making zucchini casserole, it's okay. Go okay. ahead. Let's okay. get on with this. And the Food Network. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. We we have Todd Young on the phone. We also have our guest today. It's Rob Wasser, and I'm going to state this right up in front. He might have to run. It all depends. We don't know if he has to run. He's going to have a hard out. He's going to say goodbye. And we're going to limp through the rest of the show. So with that being said, um, that could happen. So this show is brought to you by Fat Easy Musky Products. FatEasyMusky.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and we're also on Twitter. i got to say that because I've said it before. So um, I haven't been very active as of late, but, um, you know, things have been going good. Musky Tackle Online picked us up. They've been selling a bunch of Raptors, a lot of our standard colors. He's been emailing me back and forth. So... Um, I'm hoping some of that came from the advertising on the podcast. So if there's a comment section to check out, let him know that that's you're hearing it there. You can uh, also find Boss Shads on Muskie Tackle online. Um, BossShad.com, uh, Boss Shad on Facebook. You can get Boss Shads also at Mark's Bait Tackle and Ammo in Ravenna, Ohio. They, I've been watching their stuff on uh, Facebook. He, he got like a I don't know, like 10 double pulls and some 10-inch minnows. Mm-hmm. And he made a post that they were gone in two hours. Mm-hmm. And that's that's pretty incredible, I think. I mean, if, pretty you're, cool. if you're getting baits <laughs> that quick and they're leaving in two hours. So uh, if you're ordering from any of them, let them know you heard on the podcast. But, Todd, you, you, you got a fish today on a Bosch shad, didn't you? Those damn Bosch shads, you know. I mean, what time is it? It's 9.50 we're recording. I haven't caught one since, like, 6.30 tonight on a boss yet. <laughs> no. No, yeah, yeah, we did get it. I, 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 a young boy from uh, the state of Washington. They're here vacationing, and, uh, yeah, we took two boys out. They both got fish. First first boy was up. It was on the Mud Puppy Boss Shed, only available through Fat Easy Muskie products. And we got a, a dozen or so left. Yeah, they've been, uh, they've been filtering out. So. Yeah, yep. Nice little, nice little forty-one inch fish for the boy, and he was very happy. They've just been dock fishing here the last few years, and they had no idea those things were in this lake. So, awesome. it's cool. Nice, nice fish. So, I did a quick transition into boss shed. So let's uh, let's go and uh, talk about Muddy Creek real quick. Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishingguides.com. Give us a call. Vance and I have lots of openings here in the fall. I mean. Uh, August, we've got some, not many left in August, but, you know, they always fill up for us. So if you're, if you've got some dates in mind, you know, you're coming up here and you want to give us a shot, give a call. The sooner the better so we can get you on the books. 
uh, we'll do our best to get you out on some fish, one way or the other, cast, troll, jig, shotguns, no. Uh, dynamite, electroshock. Dynamite, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll do whatever we can to get those fish in the boat, so give us a call. Perfect. And St. Croix Rods, best on earth. Uh, you guys have been guide staff now for maybe a handful of years, four years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Four or five years, yeah. Four or five years. You know, I've I've switched over all my casting stuff that I use. That's all St. Croix. So I like them. You guys, everyone knows them. I don't really need, I'm not going to tell you anything you guys don't already know. So check them out. Find them on the internet and uh, best on earth. All right, Rob, is there anything now that we're five minutes into this mess to uh, <laughs> that you want to talk about? Hit, um, hit your plug. You know, I mean, one of the things that uh, that I'd like to talk about are the heavyweight baits, the heavyweight gliders. Um, my partner and I, Ed Kostriva, uh, started uh, actually brought these baits to market in January of uh, this past year at uh, the Chicago Muskie Show. And the response has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, there's lots of guys catching fish on them and sending us pictures. And and uh, I'll tell you what, they they really have taken off. And uh, it was I think guys are really enjoying the collaboration between him and I because he was he was making the bait on his own and doing some painting and stuff. And then uh, we actually had some discussions, and it kind of led to that collaboration. And I think it's really taken off. Um, and so it's, it's been a quite the adventure and I, I can only see good things coming from here on up. Nice. Is there, where, where, where can you find more information? Facebook on the internet? Okay. So yeah, we have our own Facebook page. It's heavyweight baits, uh, on Facebook. Uh, we haven't gotten a website yet because honestly, we, every time that we, we make a batch of baits, they're gone. <laughs> they're gone instantly. So we've been selling them, uh, on the public page on the heavyweight bait uh public page and then we've uh we have another page that we uh that's uh kind of a more private group that we release new things new patterns and stuff like that before we release them to the general public um but they don't last very long (laughs) so that's awesome uh, now i i have yet get to get to that point to where (laughs) as soon as i'm like i got a batch of raptors done they normally sit for at least a little bit, or you know, some will leave quickly. But then I'm like, I got leftovers, inventory. Andy, you want ten of every color that you've ever made. That's I would like ten way. hanging up, and I would like fifty <laughs> yeah. in a tote of each <laughs> yeah. color. Because come on now, what, you know, when you're painting, it's nice to paint a bunch of one color. <laughs> Boy, can I agree with that? <laughs> so. The, well, here's the thing, too, is that, uh, you know, considering what you guys are doing and you're putting out much larger numbers of baits than what we're doing. And our demographic, I guess, for lack of a better term, is not only the average musky guy that's out there that likes to catch fish on gliders in particular, but it's the custom end of it. And uh, that whole uh, subject matter could be up for debate until the cows come home because there's there are yeah. plenty of people out there who say, you know, custom, custom this, custom that, you know, because there's so many different custom varieties of so many different kinds of baits that sometimes that custom uh, appearance and that custom design and, and paint job and stuff like that kind of gets lost sometimes. So 
It's nails um, on a chalkboard every time you say custom. <laughs> yeah, right. Andy, Andy hates that. Andy hates that word. I like it. The yeah, guy would, takes I, a sharpie on that, a suet. Because of what you're saying. I'd prefer you you use that word maybe a hundred more times on this podcast. <laughs> Don't well, listen to I Big think, V over I there. I think what separates it, and we basically use it as a term that it's a it's it's not a production bait in the in no. the respect that it's not a it's not an injection mold. It's not something to where you know. We're just buzzing by them with an airbrush, you know, and painting a quick pattern on them. And uh, there's just more time that goes into them. Uh, each each bait that, that Ed makes is individually weighted. Not only is it tank tested, but I can tell you from firsthand experience, every one of those baits gets tested in a pool or at a, at a particular body of water before any of them are sold. So if there's one that doesn't even, you know, hint that maybe there's an issue with it, then it's not getting sold. Uh, and with those, you know, because they're all made out of uh, white cedar, of course, you guys, I'm sure, know over your your careers as musky anglers and looking at so many different baits, the density of wood is never the same in any, yep. you know, any run of baits. So they all require different weights. So you're not just putting a standard uh, amount of weights in each bait. You know, there's it has to be uh, customized for that particular bait. So. Um, I think that's what makes them a little bit different than maybe the average, if you will. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and Here you there. The, I, I think we were in agreement that, that nails on the chalkboard was just because it, it, the word custom since like the internet has where you, anyone could upload a photo has been sure. so beaten into the earth that yeah. anytime I see custom, you're like, oh, check out my custom dirt bike. Really? You, you, you took some duct tape and you, you made like a stripe down your fender. And, right. And, and you hammered some diamond plate to make like an exhaust cover. That's not custom. That's garbage. Right. And, and just same same thing. You know, anyone with a Sharpie and a Suic can make a custom pattern. Right. And uh, it, it to me, it really degrades the word to the point to where I just say requested colors or exclusive right. colors. and. Right. You know, it's but I, I understand what you're saying because there is that 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 art of working each one one by one methodically going right down the line and at the end you know it, it could be like the speech on d-day look to the left look to the right not all of you are going to make it in the end and, well and i think too that there there are they really have a place sometimes um, I'm sure that you guys have all had, you know, certain particular colors that you feel do, you know, or perform better on any particular body of water. Um, maybe on the average water, it's, I don't think it's as important as the action of the bait that you're actually using. Uh, but sometimes I think it might give you a little bit more of an edge just because maybe it's something that that fish just hasn't seen yet, or, uh, it's just not conditioned to that particular uh, pattern or something. So, uh, while the debates there, whether or not color makes a huge difference or not, I think it does have a place, uh, in, you know, as one other tool that we, you know, that we have to use to catch more fish. So, yeah, that's good. That's a good way of putting that. I remember Mm -hmm. you were, you were telling me about some wild color that you had to paint for somebody. Yes. (laughs) Um, and it worked. Yeah, this there was a guy that had a, and, and maybe I should back up a little bit. Of course, you guys know that I've I've done some repaints now for you know I don't know how long, probably the last three years, and I'm finally starting to sneak away from that. 
but while I was still in that process, uh, I had a guy, uh, you know, send me a bait that it had it, the entire bait was all blue, and then it had a chartreuse belly, and then it had this dot, this giant spot on the side of it. And I, you know, I mean, when you think of what we're typically using, you know, there's perch patterns and there's fire tiger and there's you know these standard colors and you look at this thing and you you think to yourself i wouldn't give a guy a nickel for that at a garage sale (laughs) but this particular pattern was a hot pattern for him and it's just it's just funny how uh those things materialize for different anglers across the country because that may be a phenomenal pattern where this guy's at and you wouldn't even throw it here so it's just it's it's really neat to see what guys really want you know mm-hmm. nice so they can find heavyweight baits on facebook yes and right now you're just right now you're just gliders there's right now we're just we're just gliders we are uh we have started working on a couple other diff- couple other different projects but uh, depending on how things go we may bring some with us at the at the next uh round of show season uh but it's still in the R&D phase right now, so uh, we want to try and make sure that we do everything right, and that way that when we release it to the public that they're getting a good product. So, um, But we're excited about those things. Perfect. So before we end this, this plug for you, um, your partner makes the baits and you're the artist. I'm the painter, yeah. Yep. Okay. Nice. So Love it. Love it. I kind of know what that relationship's like. <laughs> <laughs> If you only had someone who would make you some baits right now. I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> I'm out. I have a yeah, small stash of blanks, a very small stash. And That's I'm like fishing. my emergency. I can't make anything right now. The emergency stash. So. <laughs> okay. <Getting low. sighs> hey, let's hit the let's hit the uh, power rankings real Thank quick. You, and then we're going to get more in depth with Rob <laughs> here. Uh, but send in your submissions, guys. Uh Facebook message, Instagram message, email. We'll be getting them all over the place. We'll get you involved here. Looks more like we'll get you involved in the fall when uh, we're, we're actually back in this. studio When Vance is responsible and yeah. carries out his <laughs> podcasting duties. But send it in. We've been doing it since the turn of the year. It's been fun and sparking up conversation. Uh, we're going to have four today uh, with Rob being on, so we will uh, we'll get right into this thing. Coming in at four is going to be mine. And it's going to be custom colors. Ayo. Yuck. (laughs) Your favorite word. No comment. I'm out. I had to bring that in. Punching out. Uh, No, but it alludes to the, uh, you know, contacting a bait maker saying, or not just custom colors, but contacting a bait maker and say, hey, paint this thing up for me. And and you have confidence in it. You think it's going to work. And then you finally get it from the bait maker. You take it out and it does produce a fish, which is money well spent in my book. So, Okay. I'm going to add to the other half of that. (laughs) A customer requests what seems to be a very basic pattern. You follow directions to the T. You ship it to them. And they say, this isn't anything like I asked for. <laughs> and I'd be like, but here's exactly what you have written. But it, it was a lot of stuff comes down to people know what they're talking about, but they do a poor job describing it. And it's your fault. That's never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
right, We've so. talked about that a little bit before with the guys with the, uh, you know, bait makers making something centers It's like, oh, you put orange eyes. I wanted the chartreuse eyes. Yeah. yeah. Shame on you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Sorry. How come your crackle's different from this one than from the one you painted three years ago? Because it's crackle. Yeah. Love it. Snap, crackle, pop. Four custom colors coming in three. Andy, take it away. Okay. I'm looking at, man, everything's like revolving around painting baits because I think it's because we have Rob on. Yeah. But um, Vance was opening up the, uh, the curtain of the inventory. And he was like, ooh, and he started grabbing these baits. And I said, grab those two and bring them over here because that's going to be my power ranking. When, and Rob could probably relate to this, when you're like, I'm going to just shoot from the hip on this and hope it turns out. And you shoot from the hip and it and it actually lands. You're like, this color looks great, this pattern. Now, that was, uh, I, I can definitely, definitely uh, sympathize with that. <laughs> Yeah. easily that uh that musky pattern that i do uh that was uh that was a huge hit and that was just something that you know i kind of looked at geographically across the country and looked at i i looked at hundreds of different musky pictures and tried to get uh a pattern in the, some of the fundamental base colors of what i thought everybody would would kind of be able to relate to and so i can definitely definitely relate to that for sure that and and on the flip side, Vance has two. He's holding the good one right now. The other one is when you're like, I think I'm gonna try this. I don't paint a lot with this color, and it's a complete utter disaster. <laughs> He's holding a train wreck right now, and it's very basic. But I was just wanted to see what, what it the, looked like, what it would look like, because what you envision in your head doesn't always come out. So. It's actually when one goes where I'm going to paint this color for the shows. Mm-hmm. Not the one in your hand right now. That one should get thrown away. But <laughs> the other one is going to be a color I'm going to paint in hopes that it replaces a pattern that I extremely hate. You can't say this pattern. We can't say it. No, not yet. It's top secret. It's top secret. And it's going to be modified. So, Is anyway. that a custom color? <sighs> not yet. <laughs> well, it, it can't really be because... No one requested it. Okay. I just painted one of them. It's Andy's custom color. Yeah, it was just me not wanting to do a process on this bait. <laughs> Can we get any of the listeners out there to get a custom count? Yeah. Custom. Somebody send it in to us. How many times are we going to say that this episode? But we would almost have to have a count on that as well. <laughs> so your yours is... So So mine is experimenting with patterns and having it turn out acceptably well to where you're like all right it's good sellable marketable and usable fish catchable solid that other one i should just take and dip in a vat of black paint yeah give it away nice one black black two coming in at two on the podcast power rankings todd take it away yeah i mean at home, digging through some old tackle. I mean, I know we probably guys have been doing this a long time. You got tackle everywhere. Pull, finding some old bait laying around that you just haven't had in the water. And I mean, I had a bait literally ten, maybe even fifteen years. I haven't run this. Dale Wiley made me some uh, straight, some straight eight-inch baits that had like a deep diving lip in it. And I was like, yeah, that's sort of where I'm trying to get right now with my baits. 
I'm going to take it up. I'm going to take it with me. And, uh, you know, I blew the dust off it and put it out here maybe last week. I don't remember. You know, we got a couple hits down a little deeper. I put the thing out and got two fish right away on it. And, uh, you know, finding, finding some old bait you haven't used in a while and putting it out there and getting success on it. That's awesome. I think about old baits a lot. You know how you take pride in the bait that's all chewed up? Mm-hmm. You know, like the dog bone, that thing has some years on it. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of just like... My, some of my fat bodies are getting pretty beat up, you know, but it, they're not dog bone. I, I can't say that with any of my fat bodies, yeah, so go you, ahead. You know, they're not dog bone status. That thing <laughs> literally looks like a piece of wood. Um, but it still runs excellent. Mm-hmm. But you wish away years of teeth marks. You're like, man, what the heck is this gonna, thing going to look like in 30 years? But then you look at it, and I'm like, Jesus, you know, I'm going to be 60 in 30 years. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to wish that away, you know. I really want my baits to you, look You want to fast forward your life yeah, I, I, to, I, to see what a bait looks like. Yeah, it's like crazy. You know, when you're, when you're young, you, when you're young, you want to fast forward to be old. And when you're old, you know, you try and to your, get up your the hardest next morning. To, be, to, to stay young, you know. But when it, when it comes to musky baits, like you, you want them to, you want to see what it's going to look like in years to come. Like that dog boner, like the one that Todd blew the dust off of and got yeah. some new teeth marks on. Having said that, my little nostalgia will go into one, and that's our featured guest, Big Rob Wasser. What's your power ranking? So I'm going to say. Oh, somebody dropped. Hello. It's not me. Oh, boy. It was Rob that dropped. I'm going to just pause this right now. Okay, we're back. Rob called in. Phone call dropped. Okay. So I would say probably number one is just strong fundamentals. You know, sharp hooks. uh, Check and make sure all your gear's, you know, tight. Make sure your your line's good, that you have a good leader on there, things like that. Because those are the things that I think sometimes uh, we get – a little lax on at times, you know, because there may be a week in between trips and you think, uh, you know, uh, meantime, if you had any rods sitting out in your boat, if it's covered under the sun or something and it's, you know, your line and your gears taking a beating under that cover and, um, different things like, you know, like I was saying, making, making sure that your hooks are sharp and making sure that your drags, right. Stuff like that, because these fish, as you guys well know, if there's a link, if there's a, a, a link that's weak in the chain, they'll find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your power ranking is a nicely sharpened hook. Now, like, in fundamentals. Yeah, but like, yeah. but initially, like when I first got in it, I heard of hook sharpening and stuff, but I didn't have time for that. I had fish to catch. <laughs> you know, right. I I couldn't take the. 15 seconds to sharpen the right and my numbers seem right in my head right now but i remember that one year that i actually like things pieces were falling into place for me musky fishing and i went like i caught five and lost 28 really and i never sharpened my hooks (laughs) i mean yeah well well, you think about it because you 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 know everybody remembers when they were extremely green you know Mm -hmm. seconds were precious and uh, you know, just 
the next day you, that you were getting up to go fishing it was you know you were you were fired up you know mm-hmm. and it's just like okay my rod's ready i have this leader on you really don't know much and you know just getting in the boat was a big deal mm-hmm. uh, like you had all that stuff to worry about and fishing was almost like on the back burner to actually be able to do it efficiently and and well but i i can relate to that uh and i was I was trolling on Chautauqua, and I have, I have many, many, you know, woe stories uh, from from my, you know, when I first started. But I I do remember specifically like this believer. I was I was trolling this eight inch perch believer like right out of the box from, I don't even know. It might have been from like Raleigh and Helens or something. Mm-hmm. You know where would where else would you, you go? You had no time. You actually opened the package in the boat. Honest to God, I mean, it was it was like that that quick, you know, because I was driving up from Pittsburgh and things were a mess and stuff, and I was trolling around, man. I I lost a, a very very big fish, you know. Probably looking back, it was it was under fifty, if not fifty inches. Mm-hmm. It's a little stupid rowboat, and um, <laughs> the nothing was done to those hooks, you know. I mean, they were just right out. They barely could could make a, a nick on your uh, there on your thumbnail. You know what I'm saying? There wasn't five seconds from package to water, yeah. was there? No, you know they were just very dull, and so it found the weak link as as Rob was touching touching on. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think back to that fish. Yeah, Rob brought up real quickly about the drag. Mm-hmm. I remember when it was like, if I couldn't tighten the drag tight enough, I'd take a wrench and make it tighter yeah and just ultimately horsing you know it's just i guess all you know the the fundamentals just knowing the fundamentals but sometimes in order to know them you actually have to you know use experience which is the toughest teacher there's still a lot of guys oftentimes the biggest letdown (laughs) yeah when you when you lose that fish and you you get that bait back and you look at it and you see that uh, from the last fish you caught on it, like the hook was all bent sideways or something, or you see that, uh, you know, there was some kind of malfunction with the leader, with the with the clip on it, or something like that, or maybe you had a split ring that was opened up or something like yeah. that, and then, you, of course, you just say to yourself, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. I know, so. and usually those get exposed on the big fish that you miss. Yeah. Yep. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You look back and you're like, man, it shoulda, coulda, woulda. Is that the reason that I for lost? For fifteen this? Like, cents, I like, coulda caught you know. that fish. That, or yeah, for that, just one, one, once. That's over. a very common thing in 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 my boat with the guys that are sort of into musky fishing. They want to tighten that drag down and get them in. You know, Andy just brought it up that, that he was doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't fish that way. I'm not saying that's the wrong way to do it. It's the wrong way in my boat. I know. <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't like seeing, and we have a listener. I'll guarantee he's going to listen to this, and he's going to know I'm talking about him. But <laughs> you know, lost a real big one last year, where you know the the lure came in. We had the fish. The, the it, you know it got off, and uh, I look when he brings the lure up after it got off. I mean, I had the net in my hand, and it was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. Big one, and uh, the hooks are straight. I di- I didn't want to say anything. So I'd like reached down, grabbed the plier, straighten the hooks, and when I let the line back out, I went to pull the drag, and it was tight. 
and that's it's happened many times in my boat and it's usually with guys that are sort of into musky fishing or getting started or you know however you want to say it uh fresh like, man I just, <laughs> I just yeah i just think you that i thought that's what you do and you know it's happened to me numerous times you know yeah fundamentals are key yeah i almost i've said it many times already I get a fish on once I once I catch up to it with the reel, drags back, and I can't get my thumb on that spool quick enough to free spool it. <laughs> Just because I'm like I'm gonna uh-huh. knit this fish like it doesn't even know what's going on. Yeah, that's so, that's yeah. a little overboard. But I, I'm on the other extreme right now. Is you you could lo- you can get some slack there if you're thumbing that thing really like well, it's like free spool. Th- thumb bum, bum, thumb bum. on it, and I just d- depress depress the thing, and I'm just. I'm right there because I'm not pulling hard on them either. Yeah. Just the lightest tension. You know, I if you pull on it, it's going to pull back. Yeah. If you can just get it to where he's like, yeah, this is slightly annoying, you yeah. might just get him to come in. <laughs> just not even yeah. know it. Yeah. The, the, I feel you. But, That's the power rankings. Send in your submissions. We'll get you on eventually. Sorry. <laughs> the pressure's getting to Vance. Let's get into uh, Rob. Tell us, Rob. Yeah, start start wherever you'd like to start on all of this, and we'll ask we'll fire questions. Nothing uh, but fastballs. Okay. How'd you How'd you get into musky fishing, man? Well, I was actually uh, dating a girl uh, when I was probably seventeen, and her dad was a musky fisherman, and he was one of those old school guys who had about twelve baits in one box and he always used the same three or four or five out of that you know out of that particular box and that was he was dead set on those were going to be the 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 fish catching baits uh so uh he actually took me out once and from the very first time that i saw him catch one i was i was completely hooked i was like i got this you know i gotta get into this um but actually, probably one of his most productive lures was a uh, was an old Lindy bait called a Teddy. It was a glider about nine inches long. It had cotter keys that ran down through the down through the uh, the center of the bait for the hook and, hangers. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, but ever since I you know ever since I watched him uh, catch that fish on that, I was I. I always wanted to catch fish on gliders, and still to this day, it's my favorite way to catch fish. Now, of course, you don't always get that chance, you know, for whatever reason, whether the conditions don't hurt, you know, they don't allow for that, or that, you know, the glide bite just isn't on, or, you know, whatever. But uh, I caught my very first one in 1993 on a small lake in Crawford County called Sugar Lake, and I caught it on one of those baits that I was just talking about that I actually repainted because it was this really ugly lime green kind of yellowish and it had these stripes on it. I don't want to call it a perch pattern, but I suppose that's probably what it was trying to emulate. Um, and when, and it was, it wasn't a giant fish. It was maybe 40 inches, but I was, you know, I was hooked from that moment on. I was definitely saw this going somewhere. And before you know it, then you realize just how pricey, this particular passion can be and before you know it you're you're into hundreds of dollars of lures and then more than one rod and more than one reel and all kinds of expenses and you finally realize i had no idea that there was going to be this much involved with it 
Um, but the guy that uh, that got me into it, uh, his name's Chuck Papincheck. Uh, he, you know, for the longest time used one rod and had the same three or four bucktails and the same couple gliders and never saw a top water in his box, never saw a crankbait in his box. He was, he was not one of those old school trollers, you know, he was always casting and, um, but yeah, so that's how I kind of get into it as far as musky fishing goes. So that's awesome. I, I wonder, I don't, I don't want to pry too deep. I'm going to yeah. pause right there. Whatever happened to the the girlfriend's father and stuff? I he's <laughs> you, you mean is you mean is he still alive? No, no, no. Like, did did you guys kindle a friendship? And you know, I, when you said you once dated, I figured that no, oh, yeah. you're no longer well, dated. Uh, we still fish together today. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, of course, I'm no I'm no longer seeing his daughter, but that didn't last very <laughs> long. But uh we uh the, the fish yeah, she opened I, she, longer, yeah she opened up a great relationship for the yes yeah, i mean it, and we still fish together to this day now he's 74 i want to say now and mm-hmm. i can call that guy and say hey you know uh, the you know the major's going to be at 4 a.m do you want to go and he's there early you know he's not one of these guys <laughs> who you know you tell him that you want to go fishing and, and you say, uh, okay, meet me at the launch at seven o'clock, and they get there at quarter to eight or nine. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he's there early, even at his age, and he's still pretty active. So, and he's still putting them in the net. So, yeah, he's that's awesome. I'm, I'm always cool. curious at like when it's, you know, a person you're dating's, you know, significant, you know, a significant member of their family, and I'm uh-huh. like, well, I wonder what happened then? Did when they, you know. Dad, I want to see Rob. He's over here every day with his fishing pole. He never (laughs) hangs out with me. Well, I mean, still, I was still a young man, and so trust me, I made plenty of time to to do other things. But every chance that I had, I was fishing with him. After after I caught that first one, I was you know I was over there a lot. So I could see myself. You know, like evolving into the old man with the one box and the one lure down the line, <laughs> and then some like young gunner coming in, being like, "What? This guy's crazy." You, you are with he casting. uses, he, yeah, he uses one lure. You, I'm are. already that old man. That's yeah, you bad. use like three baits. That's bad. That's bad. Okay, so yeah. continuing on. You, you, you've now moved away from uh, your early stages of your girlfriend's father going fishing with you. Where, where did that take you now? All right. So, um, I guess as I got my eyes opened to more, you know, at court. So I started reading a lot of articles. I read some books about musky fishing. Um, some of the, you know, I'm sure that there's plenty of guys that can, that can relate to this. I mean, I saw a lot of episodes on in fishermen, you know, when I could, uh, there wasn't a lot of, uh, until recently there wasn't really a lot of airtime dedicated to musky fishing on television at least not in our area anyway Uh um so every once in a while you'd catch a segment on there and you'd see the lender guys out there and they were catching these giant fish you know and of course that just you know that just fueled the fire to want to catch more so you try to maybe take a little bit or piece from the segment that they're talking about and try it in your own body of water where you're comfortable fishing or your home body of water. And I think over time, you know, I started, uh, the more I read and the more I researched about different baits and different presentations and learning about fish behavior and forage base and 
water temperature and how the you know the lunar phases and the different majors and the minor and all the different variables that go into try to be a successful musky fisherman um you just i don't know i think i just gravitated toward wanting to be better you know so it was it it was a trial and error period with a lot of buying a lot of different baits that uh, eventually you find one that you're confident in because you catch fish with it and then you try something else and sometimes it's painful but you force yourself to try something else and I think it just as the more that you go along and the more different things that you try and when you're able to be successful on your own that's when you really start you know that's when the overdrive kicks in because now not only do you feel good that you know, you've made this big accomplishment catching fish like this and you're doing it consistently, but now you want to help your friends do it. And there's other people in your family or maybe some of the people that you work with, you know, you start showing these pictures of these fish that you're catching and stuff like that. And so you take them out and you watch someone else catch their first one. And that's really what, what fuels me to this day. I, I love taking people out and love watching him catch their first fish it's that that i would rather do that than catch one myself nice absolutely so then what made you get into painting well uh i actually started painting quite a while ago it was probably i want to say 15 or 16 years ago um i noticed that i started to have a lot of baits that i bought that there were certain baits that i wanted but I absolutely hated the paint on them. And not because they were ugly paint jobs, but just because they were nothing that I had confidence in. You know, something that was all blue in color and had some green dots on it or something. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's, you, you know what I mean? It's just not something yeah. that you don't individually have a lot of confidence in. So uh, I actually started playing around with it. First, it was just simply it was using acrylic paint with a, with a regular brush, and it looked awful. <laughs> but, I've done that. Um, as you, uh, you know, as you get more exposed to other products like airbrushes, and you know, before that, I was using spray cans. I mean, I using different kinds of rattle cans with different, you know, making my own stencils. That, uh, you know, you were just hitting them with those, and and then back in those days, I wasn't using anything like epoxy or anything like that to seal the baits. I was using whatever my dad had in his garage at the time. So uh oftentimes that didn't last Elmer's glue <laughs> without even catching a fish <laughs> on it but um but seriously i think i just got tired of having baits that uh that i just i wasn't using i wasn't using them because i didn't like the colors of them and i didn't have any confidence in them so uh eventually my dad actually bought me my first airbrush and i started messing around with it for you know three or four months and finally started getting a little bit better at things and i noticed that you know, I was finally able to start um, getting some patterns that I had, you know, more confidence in. And over time, I think I just got better. Uh, and as things, you know, as you start to develop as somebody who, and Andy, I'm sure you can, you can relate to this. The more baits that you paint, the more you learn how to use color and see colors. Specifically, I'm talking about natural patterns. So you start to look, and it's not just a green bait with a yellow belly and black stripes on it. You know, that same scheme turns into it's this dark moss green 
on the top and then it's this lighter green in the middle and then it has a yellow belly and then it has this that and you pick up these different characteristics and i think uh anybody uh out there i mean there's a number of guys that are phenomenal painters in this in this industry i mean you look at zach baker and you look at andy vice and a couple of these other guys uh joe peterson i mean these guys are are great painters and i think it's because after you do it for so long um you get to you know you might pick up on some of those differences where maybe the average guy doesn't so i think as uh the more baits that i painted the more comfortable i got and the more you know i start to experiment and uh learn to use those different colors to try and create different patterns and it just kind of blossomed from there yeah i want to i want to you said something and we're going to jump back to it when when you were talking about the paintbrush and then going to the rattle cans that was the exact progression that i took and i remember i was at that point where i'm like do i want to try to get an airbrush going or do i want to just keep using rattle cans but at this point i wasn't making baits for sale and i remember like ah that airbrush stuff is scary you know you you do any looking online and people will give you these strict guidelines they're like you have to run 18 and a half psi and you must take it you know thin it out this much and this and i'm like man you gotta have a chemistry degree to get this anything to work i'll stick to rattle cans and i'm using rattle cans and then i realize as i look at all my cans of spray paint i'm like i could have bought an airbrush and a compressor and Mm -hmm. and had everything already and it's you know i guess my little word of advice is you you go to hobby lobby 40 percent off coupon get an iwata nero and that's what i did i mean you picked up the airbrush for relatively cheap i'm i was running a small compressor i'm now running a giant compressor and there's reasons for it i mean we can anyone can debate anything like that i'm sure an airbrush compressor might be a little bit better but when you have a 50 gallon tank that compressor ain't kicking on that much when you're using a little baby thing so you're not getting the fluctuation in air pressure and stuff but a lot of this i guess another thing a lot of the stuff that i've heard people say just in about every realm of anything on the internet when they're so specific it doesn't have to be that hard there's a million ways to do it that's that couldn't be more true there are, um, and I didn't really have, and I don't know about you, Andy, but I didn't really have anybody to show me, you know, back when I first started painting, there wasn't YouTube. There wasn't um, a bunch of videos or, you know, right at your fingertips that you could go and look and watch and see how somebody was doing something. Um, so I picked up a lot of that stuff on my own. Now, there were some, there's some times where I reached out to some people and asked uh, questions about very specific things. Um but I think a lot of that, you know, is, is basically self-taught. You learn how to clean your airbrush, not only by the instructions that came with the airbrush, but then you learn little tricks about it. I also, well, I, talking about cleaning an airbrush, I remember it was like thinking that I'd have hours in tearing these things apart and, and just intricately cleaning everything. That was like a big turnoff for me initially. Yeah. And now I'm like... You know, on, on my one, I'm like, well, I'm just going to squirt lacquer thinner in here. I'll be here tomorrow. And as long as there's lacquer thinner in the cup the next day, it's still good to go. Blow it out. <laughs> and, and it's it, you, you become, yes, I mean, you can have some issues by being taking the shortcut. 
But when you know the shortcuts and you know how to fix anything that might come up, a lot of stuff, issues that I have, is you get a little baby crumb of paint that starts messing oh, up yeah. your paint flow. And that could happen to anybody at any time. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I mean, you developed all those different skills as far as cleaning and really, you know, I'm, I'm actually very, (laughs) very meticulous about cleaning my airbrushes and stuff. I mean, if I, if I told you guys how much I invested in airbrushes, it'd probably blow your mind, but (laughs) I, the, I don't know. I've always had the same philosophy that, you know, that my dad kind of told me is that if you take care of your equipment, it'll take care of you. Mm -hmm. So when I first started, I had a couple Pache airbrushes and then I moved up from Pache's to Iwati's eventually. And, um, I have some airbrushes that were $150. I have some airbrushes that are over $600. And so when I know that depending on the pattern and how many baits that I'm going to be painting, I will actually sit down before I get started and I will sit down and I will take each airbrush apart and I will put, you know, this, you know, this, this nozzle goes with this tip and this airbrush and this needle and I'll just go on down the line. So I already dedicate probably if I had to guess on average between 45 minutes and an hour that I actually sit down and go over my airbrushes, make sure the tips are clean and make sure that they're flowing good and make sure that, you know, there's there's no none of that stuff that you're talking about, so you don't wind up with those gunks of paint in there. At least right when you start, you don't want you know you don't want that to happen right out of the gate. As you're painting, especially if you're painting any number of baits, yes, absolutely, everybody's going to run into that where you have some kind of splatter or you get a nozzle that clogs and your paint's not coming out and and things like that. So and, and it's always uh, when you're doing little dots and it's like, come on, just. I just need a little bit of paint. And then you like go and it just goes, blah, takes a huge dump. <laughs> well, you know, it's just like anything else, just like what you were talking about as far as using certain PSIs and certain, mm-hmm. um, certain dilution rates of, of different things. And those are just some of the tricks that you learn, you know, it, you know, especially doing, you know, fine details and stuff like that. Um, it really does make a difference wh- wh- how how reduced you have your paint, what kind of paint you're using, and how much pressure is coming out of that gun. Because yeah, if it if it's not done right, and yeah, mistakes can happen. Trust me, my garage wall has probably seen more than its share of baits <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because of mistakes that that have happened for whatever reason, whether it was mechanical or whether it was because I moved my hand too fast or too slow or in the wrong motion and yeah it happens <laughs> yeah normally like when i have that it's like hey todd do you want this one and you, he's like i can't even see where you messed up i'm like it sucks right here <laughs> look at this thing it's horrible <laughs> and, and uh, that's the one that'll catch all the fish probably because it's going to get used <laughs> that's how it goes yeah but um yeah so i guess you know what i was coming back to is you know I, when I used my that little Iwata Neo or whatever that thing is from Hobby Lobby, I mm-hmm. painted thousands of baits with it. Sure, and and it's it was a cheap airbrush, but yep. it, for for most of the stuff that you need to catch a muskie, it's going to paint it acceptably well. Yeah, it's, I the, the brush I'm using now is a, a Develbus, and uh-huh. it I the only reason I got that is because it has a needle stop on it. Oh, okay. And when I do when I do some detail work, 
there's just so much going on in my head. My sausage fingers don't always work well. <laughs> and uh, so I can at least control where the needle's at for when I really want to get fine detail. And I that's one less variable in my head. And Right. Well, that, and just like I was saying, you, how I was just talking about have that I have several different airbrushes. And some of those ones, like I, I have one that I they use strictly for uh, very fine detail, like doing spots and stuff like that. And it's called a Micron. It's an Iwata Micron. Mm-hmm. And that particular airbrush, and, it, you know, it was almost $600. But I know that, you know, from using that and knowing how much I need to reduce my paint, that I'm able to do it and I don't have, you know, I don't have that flow issue or I don't have those, um, uh, the, those areas where you spray and the paint splatters, um, and those, and, and the, that particular brush works at a, works at a very, very low pressure. So you can, I mean, literally you could write your name and have it look like you wrote it with an ink pen. Uh, if you got a steady enough hand, I mean, you can draw lines that fine and that, you know, smooth, mm-hmm. um, but for just different things like that. Now there, there are, uh, quite a few baits that I've done for myself or done for some of the, my friends and stuff that I really got elaborate with a lot of detail and stuff, nothing that I would want to do regularly. Um, but that's where those particular things really shine. And, you know, I, there's, there's probably uh, a large enough debate of people out there when it comes to any bait, whether it's a, um, uh, a bait that's not in production and it's in small batches uh, that, um, I'm trying to think of how I, how I want to say this. And no now pressure. I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, you, <clears throat> I mean, you guys are making baits that, I mean, when I, when I get my hands on them, it's like, oh, honestly, I, I don't want to, I don't want to use these things like works of art and it's like what i'm what what i want to do i don't even want to get a scratch on this floor <laughs> i just want to keep it and look at it you know and and that happened that, that's ha- that that's what the musky bait painting thing has become and it's uh it's crazy how great that stuff you're doing and as you mentioned zach i mean i get a bait from him occasionally i mean i have a nice musky raptor from you that's hanging on my wall in my basement. I'm not, I can't, I just can't. Mine's in my museum. I, yeah, mine's, I, I can't, mine's I the can't, centerpiece I of my camper. <laughs> I, I, I told Dan. I was like, I'll destroy this thing in an hour. In an hour. Well, I mean, not even if a fish doesn't hit it. You know, you start wrapping those hooks and bam, bam, bam. And uh, I have a hard time using using some of that stuff. <laughs> just, I... Rob, in case you don't realize, that's a compliment because as soon as I give a bait to Todd, he doesn't even look at it and he's just like, okay, let's beat the water with this. He has no problem <laughs> trashing what I make. <laughs> that's a good thing, though, because he's catching fish, which ultimately yeah. is good for you guys, you know, because it's going to make you sell more lures. Yeah. So those those baits that you painted for us, you know, what was it, gosh, a year and a half ago? Yeah. Literally not one of them has seen the water. Mm. Vance was. <laughs> Vance was telling me that, and tell him what I told you, Vance. You 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 said give me another blank, so and you know. So so he's so, gonna like intentionally mess it up and be like, well, you guys got to use. No, this. he said give me another blank, and yeah. you know you keep smear, that one. You smear use a line this on one. that musky. 
Yeah. Well, at that point, I'm just like, well, we'll now take, we'll I got take some blems. I got you know? <laughs> double double the value now because I got two of them. I have two of them. <laughs> you eventually got... cut the value of the first one in half because now instead of three, there's six. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they. I mean, Todd. I think we we think the same on that. You know that they're pretty, man. I do just like enjoy lo- enjoying looking at them, especially that musky pattern. I mean, that that might be my favorite. It really does look like a a big Chautauqua musky to me. Yeah. Big gold brown back into those scale and into the. I I, I think you know we we I should now that I was going to bring this up at some point. I just didn't know when. The whole thing with with Rob kind of started. Todd, do you remember exactly what it was? I yeah, s- was it that. Uh- the Mike the, Money Raffle. The Mike Money Raffle of twenty. Oh, when I did the plows. Twenty fifteen. The legend. The plow the, yeah, and the, the, the perch baits. Bait. And and John yeah. Little won that. I don't know if it was a perch bait or if it was a plow, but he won one of them that musky pattern. I looked at. It, I'm like, holy crap! And we talked about it on the show. I remember and, that. And then I think that you said something. You you messaged us or whatever that, that I did. I messaged you. I think on Facebook, and I was like. <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys ought to get me some blanks. I'll I'll be more than happy to do it. I don't know. We were just talking in, in discussion, yeah. and, and it just came up. And I was like, yeah, get me some blanks. I'll be more than happy. And then it wasn't shortly thereafter, like after we brought that up, you, you – I'm trying to think. Were you texting me, or is it just – Facebook Messenger is like essentially texting without knowing yeah. your phone number. Mm-hmm. And um, you had recently listened to me snagging the carp. And I, I go back and I want to listen to that story. I cannot find what episode it is. Yeah. Where it was in, I was in Eric's bass boat and I snagged oh, it yeah. by accident yeah. and we picked up that nasty slime ball. And yeah. So it was just that, that kind of like kicked off the you're listening to this and when can we get you on kind of deal. And yeah, that yeah. was about a year and a half yeah. ago. <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's a lot of, and I think this is what I was alluding to back then. Um, there are uh, a number of guys who will actually take, you know, that, you know, when they send you baits, like when I was still doing a lot of repaints and stuff, um, they'll send you baits and they get them repainted and they take them right out and they put them in the water, you know, and they're catching fish with them. And then there are other guys who are, you know, they're more collectors, you know, they, they like, you know, certain things and, um, they see, you know, that there are some guys out there that really like some of the stuff that I do. So they'll send me a, a bait or two. And and I had this one. I, I've had a couple guys send me some really big baits. And they, they're they like, this is going to my man cave, you know. And then I've seen other guys that have sent me pictures where they have musky baits in a curio cabinet. You know, all these baits are on these turntables and they're all sparkly. And you, know, <laughs> and you just, hey, you yeah. know what? I mean, it, everybody has their own thing, and, and it, some guys want to fish them, and other guys want to hang them on the wall or put them in a showcase. You know, hey, everybody's different. I would love to have a big, you know, like a big customer that buys a lot of baits that literally wants to just put them in his basement for show. Unfortunately, my paints are not to that level because at that point, you have no concern on if you're going to get a phone call. This thing pulls to the right a little bit or pulls to the left or, you know, how come this or how come that? And, and and it's just like, yes, they look great on your basement wall. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I told uh, I told Vance, I said, you guys ought to make a, a big raptor about 30, 40 inches long. Make it out of wood. <laughs> shape it. Make it look like the regular raptor and send it to me. I'll, I'll paint it. I would love to do it. 
I might yeah, take you up on that. We've been talking about that. Yeah, I we have. Do that. See, I've I've had these when I first started getting into like bait making before production. You know, I I was able to secure four. I think that they were eight or ten foot, four inch by four inch posts of cedar, and they were oh, wow. fairly not free. I don't think I've used a half a one. So I got these four big giant posts of cedar. Don't ask me what it is. I just cut it up and started whittling and doing this and that. And I, I have always thought, I'm like, man, I should just take it to work, put the CNCs, and just let them cut a giant bait out. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like make like a giant wily fat body and have Dale paint it just, just for goofs. And uh, let's do it. Should I yeah, make, you got to do it now. Yeah, you have three of them. Yeah, one for me, I, yeah, one for you, yeah, one for I, Todd. I want one. And then I'll uh, and then I'll start using that eight-inch muskie. I'll, I'll replace it. That'll be the. Do, do you know how big of a pain that's going to be to make a giant <laughs> <Yeah>. raptor? <laughs> I'd sooner get like a solid piece of plastic and do it because you're not going to have to worry about a lot of sanding and wood chipping out and. I'll sand it. I'll do the it. hours of sanding on a 34-inch Raptor. I'm oh, in. it won't take that long. Yeah, I'm in. Ugh. Remember, it's not something that's going in the water. This is going to be strictly mm-hmm. a showpiece. This is going to be something that's a conversation piece. You're going to have you four <laughs> coats of epoxy on it to get it smooth. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, going back to the paints, uh, they're... In my opinion, I, I think they're one of the most incredible on the, on the market, especially the natural patterns. Transition this conversation into what's going on with heavy heavyweight uh, heavyweights. How'd you guys well, meet? And, go ahead. Yeah, how'd you guys? How'd you meet Ed and 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 what's going on there? What's the plans? Well, uh, like I said, as I had said earlier, uh, Ed and I had. Uh, you know, we had both actually done some repaints for different guys and stuff like that um, some time ago, a couple years ago. And um, I had just basically come on the scene then. Uh, I had messaged some guys and I did some work for some guys and it, it just kind of took off from there. But um, I actually uh, met Ed at the PA Muskie Show uh, in 2015. And we talked a little bit about different you know painting specifically and it wasn't long after that i think he and he may have already been in the r&d phase of making the heavyweight um and we were just you know talking uh casually one day i mean through uh messenger and we got to talking and stuff and we were talking about going fishing and we ended up going to chautauqua we went up there and uh, while we were up there, uh, that's, you know, we just kind of, you know, shot from the hip and was just talking about different things. And he's like, well, I got, you know, things are going well. But um, I think he wanted to fake focus mainly on making the bait. And uh, he wanted, uh, he asked me if I would be willing to paint some to start and just see where it went. So uh he gave me like a half a dozen to paint and i painted them and he sold them and he goes you want to do some more and i go sure why not you know so we did some more and then it just i mean it just exploded um he's like so uh, he called me one day and this was probably in september or october and he's like 
what do you think about going to the Chicago Muskie show? He says, I'm thinking I really want to bring this bait to market, like, and see how it goes. And I said, well, how many are you talking about paying? And <laughs> what he's talking about, like, 125, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to have time for all that, you know. <laughs> and, you know, because, I mean, think about it. Everybody yeah. has lives. I have another full-time job, and um, I my dad has a, has a pretty extended illness that he needs a lot of care, you know. So, I mean, you don't. You're not you're not sure whether or not you're going to be able to commit to something like that, and I honestly wasn't sure. Um, but I said, "Well, I tell you, you know, I'll give it my best effort, and we'll see where it goes." And I was able to get them all done, and I think we ended up taking a hundred, hundred and seven there, and we sold fifty six, and then we sold the rest of them. But I think probably in the first two hours on the way back from Chicago when we left over the phone, hmm. like nice. on Facebook and different, you know, different things. So the word had actually spread that quickly um, that, you know, the, there's always those guys that say, well, I can't make the show this day or I can't make it there at all. Or I really wanted to go, but I couldn't. And, you know, there were guys buying two, three, four five baits. And I mean, they, they just, they were gone. Mm-hmm. Nice. And these are gliders, of course. Yeah, these are gliders. So now he ma- he's making two different sizes of gliders right now. He's making a, a seven inch and an eight inch, and uh, we've you know I think he's playing around with the idea of maybe making a smaller version because there were some guys at the Chicago show that uh, that were asking about a smaller version. Um, but and then like I was saying earlier, we we have some other projects that are in the works that. I really can't get into, but um, it's. I think they're. I think they're really going to be a hit whenever whenever they're done. But it's you know I'm sure that every bait maker out there can can honestly say that you can't just put something together, throw it in the water, and expect it to work. You know, expect people to buy it. I should say. Um, you know, you have to make sure that you can. You know, for example, if you're doing a crankbait, you can't just put a lip in a bait, throw it out there, and expect guys to go, ooh, you know. Um, you have to find out what the depth curve of it is. If there are any shortcomings with the bait, you know, is there, is this something that should be through wire? Or is it something that you can uh, manage with screw eyes? You know, so there's just a lot of different things that, you know, that you're going to consider with, um, with different things and you need to make sure that you do it right. So that way, when somebody gets it, then you know that they have, that they know that they have a good bait. Yeah. The, the, the standard of what constitutes a bait anymore I think has gone way up in in terms of like uh, the mass consumers of musky baits that there, you know, there is a person that comes to mind. I'm not going to elaborate. Todd might know who I'm talking about, who literally would just put something together and sell it, whether not testing it, not knowing whether it worked or not. And that's very, lots of people that did that. Well, there's one guy in particular. Yeah. And I think yeah. that you know who it is, and I'm not going to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Anybody asks me, I'm not going to tell them. But um, it, it doesn't last long when you do that. You can have the world's best name, but yeah, it's um, it, it's something that anymore. I mean, back in the day, you know, you put a couple coats of Auto Clear on, or not even clear coat would work. Now, if if you're not using this high end epoxy stuff automatically the people just discount the bait whether or not it's going to catch a fish is is irrelevant it's the fit and finish the feel how it how it makes you feel 
and uh so it's, it it's put some people that have been in it for a long time into into you know and i do that like i see a bait that looks really cool but like yeah i, I want to try one of those you, you got to take it out and run it sometimes andy and i talk about this before you know sometimes you see it on the uh like a picture of of the bait and i'm like man with that lip angle and that thing i don't think that thing's gonna run and guess what sometimes they don't uh it can be the prettiest bait in the world but i obviously rob is taking all the time to do what you're supposed to do as a bait maker not dropping them off at a bait shop and uh you know me running into someone and saying wow that looks really good and they're saying yeah i hope they run i haven't got a chance to test them that's not the way you do this. Yeah, right. I know who you're talking about there. Last. There's another yeah. person, but yes, I know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Rob, did you did you guys have to play around with with like actually the the the, the process that really slows things down is you can take a blank and the blank will run perfect. By the time you get done, it might not necessarily be the paint when you put on your top coats. That can change stuff. It doesn't always. Did well, and uh, without getting into a great amount of detail about it, only because, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I don't really want to. First of all, I don't know exactly what Ed does, and <laughs> I'm glad that it yeah. that it is that way. But without getting into a lot of detail, but yes, there is there are certain amounts of things that you have to pay particular attention to, and just like well, how many times have we all seen videos where people have actually uh, casted baits out, uh, whether it was a basement bait maker or uh, somebody that actually had a production lure uh, at some point, and they would cast it out and to show a video of how the how the uh, the bait would work, and there was no hooks on it. Mm-hmm. And exactly, it's going to run completely <laughs> yeah. different when it has yeah. hooks on it. Yeah, you ever run into kind of going along? I wasn't prying for any information there. You no, do no, a, no, you no, do no. a repaint for a guy on a bait that might have never had uh, a thick clear coat on it, you put the thick clear coat on, there's nothing saying it's going to work. And I've tried to, you know, when I've done uh, different repaints on several, I mean, I've, I've literally painted hundreds of different kinds of baits. Um, and there, there are baits that are way more sensitive to mm-hmm. the amount of clear coat that you put on and how thick it is and, you know, so you have to what what I what I didn't do in the very beginning is that I wasn't sure, you know. So what I what I would do is I would paint the bait and I would put a coat or two coats of clear on it and send a picture to the customer and say, you know, and say, "What do you think? Does it look good? Does it, you know, and try to give them some idea of uh how, you know, how the bait has changed, I guess. And if they didn't like it, which that didn't happen very often, but um, then you had to make, you know, you had to make a change. Now, whether if it was, you know, you have to uh, buy a guy a new bait, if it's something that can be done, or if you have to make another change, restrip the bait down, start all over again, and stuff like that. But there are other baits, in particular, uh, crankbaits. Crankbaits can be very finicky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, especially some of the smaller ones. The smaller ones, you know, there's not a lot on those. Uh, a lot of nope. them. Um, and I'm sure that you guys can can uh, identify with that. I mean, there there are some baits that 
they can take that load of epoxy. You know, they can take yeah. those multiple, multiple layers of, of epoxy. You put four coats of epoxy on, on a tough shad, and it probably wouldn't even run. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But uh, if you put four coats on a larger bait, like a headlock, you know, then it's, you know, it can handle that, that four coats of, of epoxy. So what I ended up doing was uh, when I would get a bait from a guy, I would uh, use an, a micrometer and I would go on both sides and around the top and the bottom and actually measure what it was before I started with it. So, and then through a process of, you know, just doing it so much, you know, when you put uh, a certain kind of epoxy on one coat is going to add this much thickness to it. So when you do another coat, it's going to add this much thickness to it. And that's where the whole meticulous thing really comes into play, because if you're trying to uh, give somebody something, a, a new pattern while still maintaining the integrity of the bait and not changing it, then those details can get very specific. So um, I think that's where I kind of um, came into play with some of these these repaints and stuff that these guys wanted. Um, but yes, you, I've you're, had guys yeah, you're going way above a, what. What's that? You were going way above what most of these guys would be doing on a repaint. Not just throw the repaint on there. You were looking at what you needed to do with that clear coat because that huge, huge difference. <laughs> yeah, but, you know the thickness. Yeah, we well, we, and that's our, just it. You know, and I learned. I kind of learned that from uh, from the not from the very beginning because, like I said, I wasn't doing that on every bait in the beginning. But mm-hmm. um, I had painted a bait for a friend of mine, uh, Jim Morrison. And he had, uh, he ran, he's like, something's wrong with this. He's like, uh, how many coats of what? He says, like, it, it didn't work like this when I gave it to you. So what happened? So um, I actually, the next time that I painted a crankbait, that's what I started doing. I actually started measuring, you know, yeah. how much was going on it. You know, how much, what, you know, what's the difference between the clear coat that's on it uh, versus what it's going to be like when I'm done with it. Because, I mean, in, in actuality, because if you're using something that's different um, and you're putting in excess of clear coat on a bait, then it's not going to run the same and it's going to be different. Yep. So. Yeah, we, we even had, we had some issues, you know, early on. They weren't huge stumbling blocks. Just, you know, putting two coats of epoxy on a bait can literally just change the way the whole bait works and yeah play, playing around with you know with, with the way the raptor is nearly neutral buoyant that's that's important there but absolutely it's, it's also it's not a given science on how to cover the bait in epoxy because each coat is going to vary in thickness it all depends on you know the temperature like when i mix yeah. up my epoxy and stuff i can normally get I shoot for enough epoxy to do 40 baits. And right. if, if I do it in a timely manner, the last one's going on hard. The first yeah. one's going on easy. Yep. And the whole time, like, I, I keep my epoxy warm for, like, at least a day before I use it. So <clears throat> it comes out fairly warm. It's probably, you know, 90-some degrees. And... You know, there's there's just times it's like, okay, I spread this one on. I'm looking at it before it goes on the wheel. I'm like, I missed this spot. So then I go and hit it again. Well, that one that I missed the spot 
has less epoxy on it than the ones that came out. Hey, I didn't miss any spot here because I didn't, you know, it, it's the thickness of the spreading. It, right. It, it's not exactly perfect. And they're not, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the, there are so many different kinds of epoxy out there, um, and they're all different. Some mm-hmm. of them have very, you know, long, much longer work time than others. And then there are some that cure faster than others. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried four different kinds now, and uh, I'm really liking um, the true coat that I'm using right now. Uh, and Joe Peterson makes that. And uh, the work time isn't as long as, say, uh, EX74 or Envirotex, but this stuff cures so much faster. I mean, probably, I would say on average, at least three times faster. And uh, it has, a, it's, it's a, I mean, it's an easy uh, epoxy to put on. It's, it has a, a bubble release agent in it, and it's non-toxic. And that, you know, those, those two things right there are huge, especially, you know, can, I don't know what kind of uh, shop that you guys have, but in mine, I mean, I do have some ventilation, but I don't have like, you know, like a Mills yeah. kind of <laughs> ventilation, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so those things, you know, that makes a big difference. And I think Joe, uh, spent a lot of time. I remember talking to him at the Chicago Muskie show and he was telling me that he, he spent a lot of time trying to make it, you know, less toxic and making it, uh, you know, getting those bubble release agents in there to, uh, make it easier for the people that were using it. And, uh, that stuff, uh, to where there were, uh, different kinds of epoxy that I was using where I would have to wait 12 hours in between coats. And I don't have to wait that long with this stuff. With the true coat, you can you can put another coat on in three hours or three and a half hours, um, and that that is can really cut down your time that you're spending on uh, epoxying baits. You know, for example, if you're doing like what you were saying, if you're doing forty at a time and you're waiting twelve hours, you know, before you can put the next coat on. And maybe if you're only doing two coats, it's not that big of a deal. But if you were able to do two coats in, you know, if you could put the first coat on at noon and do the second coat at three o'clock and you put them on your, your drying rack and you walk away, you're done. Mm-hmm. So that those things, I mean, those are just things that uh, I think over time you learn. You know, because you experiment with different things and stuff like that. And those, you know, when you're talking about clear coats, I mean, there's all different kinds of them out there. I mean, you see on some some crankbaits that they're using like a spray clear, you know, that they would spray out of it some type of spray gun. And then, of course, the more elaborate baits that you get into um, that are, you know, smaller batches and stuff like that, to where they're using different kinds of epoxy and stuff. And it makes a difference. I really believe that. I'm still looking for a clear that i can dip in just take dip the bait let it hang drip dry put it on the wheel and and not and get away from this holding a little paintbrush and you know i've thought about that too i've actually considered uh making like some kind of tube or something that you could dip it into you know but i think your your volume would would run low you know oh you would be wasting so much stuff. <laughs> oh it would it would be incredible yeah it would be it would be a, a lot of money going down the drain for sure yeah I, I you know and just some of the stuff i'm thinking of and and then we're gonna we're gonna do a, a quick 
gear switch here, but was, you know, some of that stuff that they have coming out with the UV, the, the UV cure stuff. I'm like, man, if that, I don't have to mix that. So there's not a pot life. If I could just, you know, go in a room that doesn't have UV light, dip all that stuff, put it on my wheel, retrofit a bunch of black lights in that thing and just, just crank, you know, just crank the UV all over it and, yeah. and get that stuff done in three minutes. So I can, you know, so you take, half an hour to dip 40 baits and get them spinning so they don't drop leave the room put on a lead suit hit the switch go back in and they're done and uh i, I thought about i just haven't what i have works so why change it so yeah but in my head hard. it's it works like that it's that easy yeah but uh you know we're believe it or not we're like an hour and 10 or so into this and do you i'm hitting you cold do you have any cool story you want to tell before we hit the plugs again. Oh, let me see. Probably, let me think. All right, so I was telling you about the, the very first muskie that I caught. Was it Sugar Lake in 1993? And I caught it on one of those uh, Lindy Teddy jerk baits that I actually painted, right? Yep. So uh, when I was fishing that day... We we were fishing the the edge of the weeds, and of course, you know, like I said, I'm I'm very new to to musky fishing. Really, don't know much about working the bait and you know what things to look for in you know in my casting lane and stuff like that. So, um, I kept snagging up. We were working this the edge of this one weed bed. What what part of the lake? Because I'm familiar with that lake. Oh, uh, so if you come out of the, the, the boat launch there and to the right, there's these railroad ties and stuff there. Well, the further you keep going uh, is where the, the, the stream comes into the lake. Well, that's the outflow, well, but go ahead. So I was working right along that edge, and I kept snagging the weeds with this glider. And uh, I kept telling uh, Chuck, I was like, you got to give me something else to throw because I can't keep this thing out of the weeds. And... He said, well, just keep working and try to throw it out, you know, more toward the open part of the water. Well, uh, I made a few more casts, and this is probably a couple hours into fishing now. And I got snagged with weeds again. I'm like, God almighty, I got snagged again. And then the rod just doubled, you Mm -hmm. know, and it bent clear over, (laughs) and the fight was on. And I can remember uh, when I finally got that fish in the boat, uh, and, of course, we were using a net that probably wasn't the most appropriate size in comparison to what we use today. Um, but when we brought that, uh, that fish in the, in the boat, the way the fish started thrashing, it snapped that lure right in half. And I couldn't believe it. I was, I was devastated because here's a bait that I just caught my very first muskie on. And it was one that I painted and I was so jazzed about it, you know, and then snap right into <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was mortified. That's Did terrible. Did you have another one on the boat? Similar. No. Uh, no, I didn't. That's brutal. Well, you were screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't catch any more fish that day, but I was all right with that. Yeah. I was pretty charged. I still have that picture at home, and yeah. That I'm trying to remember exactly the story. I have I have a funny story, but there, there's a part that's missing that's very critical, and I'm I'm gonna try to tell as best I can. It's about Sugar Lake. That boat launch, 
is it's one terrible. It, you're absolutely right. It's terrible. Yeah. It's it, it's it's pea gravel. Yeah, and the parking is awful. It, it's enough yeah. for like a compact car. And this one day, I, I I went down there. I was fishing by myself, and there was a guy. And I I, I think I might have even told this story. And I'm I, I wish I didn't forget this one part, but the guy, his boat was it was a little tin rowboat, and he had a, a girlfriend that was. She didn't skip too many meals, to put it politely. Oh, my. And she's sitting in the front of this boat, okay? And he had just parked the car. And so this little 14-foot tin boat, she's right in the front, and the front's still, like, on the ground in the back. Like, he had just launched, and she's just sitting. And she's furious for whatever reason. I I, I don't know. It's Yeah. That's typical. Anyway, so he's walking down, and like my boat might have already been launched or something like that. And I was walking enough behind him that I wasn't like invading his space. But he's like looking up, and as he gets closer to this boat, and I'm going to use the stupid redneck voice. Hey, look up in the sky! See that bird three, four, five thousand feet up in the air? And I'm like, what is he talking 5, about? Thousand feet. I look up. And there is a tiny speck of a bird circling literally three, four, five thousand feet up in the sky. Yeah. And I'm like, how did you see that? Oh, you didn't want to look what's in front of you. So you oh looked my up. God. So <laughs> he gets to the boat and said something like, you know, are you ready to go? And she's like, I'm in the goddamn boat already. Oh my <laughs> I'm just like, okay, I'm glad I'm not you. And he's just this skinny little guy, and he has a very healthy woman in the front. And he had a very hard time shoving offshore because that via that boat was sunk six inches into that gravel. Beautiful. And I'm sure everybody on that lake heard her say that, too, because that lake's not very big. It is not no, very not. big at all. I've I've had some very fun times in that lake. I I've lost one muskie there, but they have a you know uh, invasive species of chain pickerel in there now. Oh, they're they're insane in there, yeah. They're a hoot. If you switch over to some lighter gear, it is you will be laughing when those things are just going nuts. You'll catch them on figure eights. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're so they're I I love those little guys. They're just like they think they're muskies. Yes, and they're they're only like a foot long. <laughs> it's yeah. it's hilarious. <laughs> They're actually a pretty fish. I mean, if you look at that, and I guess maybe it's just the painter in me, but I like the way they look. I mean, that that chain oh, pattern coming down fish. the side. They have yeah. some neat colors on them. Oh, they're they're they're, they're cool little fish. The the problem there is you go. They're invasive. Yeah, yeah but uh, chain pickerel color. Yeah, paint it up. There you go, man. So what 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 shows or if that. if it's not a uh, top secret? What uh what shows will you be? Heading with the heavyweight baits, too. Well, I think we're planning on going to Chicago, Milwaukee, Ohio, and uh, PA, I think, for sure. That's big, um, That's a lot, that's of a lot of shows, man. That's a lot. Man, you better get to work now. <laughs> that's more well, than I think well, we trust can me, handle. We are. We're working right now. Yeah. I have good, baits good. at home in my shop that need painted. <laughs> that's awesome they're great bait i could attest to that me and rob went out fishing they they're a great glider no question yeah you got that. you got to see uh one of them got bit and then i, I lost another one uh boy it, it just 
<clears throat> just like what we were talking about earlier, just when you think these you got these fish figured out and you're all the way prepared for them, you know, I was bringing this this one uh, eight inch bait in the eight inch heavyweight, and right at the boat, and I was just doing a figure eight, and the fish came right out from under the boat, and cracked that thing, and was off it in two seconds. Yep. Just because mm-hmm. I didn't get any hooks in it, you know, because I I was just getting ready to lift the bait out of the water, and you know how those things happen. Mm-hmm. You know? and, yeah, that also that that one came from directly underneath the boat. You know, it, that one was not following in. It came from underneath your feet, basically. That was yeah. That was a good strike. That's crazy. Great baits. Check them out. Anybody going to the shows this season? There's going to be a lot of people. Uh, a lot of great baits at all these shows. But that's what they're all about. Come check out those heavyweights there. Have a badass paint job, that's for sure. Yeah. So I guess Rob, hit hit, hit your plugs, and then uh, we'll hit ours and we'll end this. So just go on to uh, on Facebook. You can look up uh, heavyweight baits, and uh, there's a public page, and then there's there's another page. So, but if you just um, type in the search box heavyweight baits, they should they should both come up. And then uh, just look on some of the different musky pages and stuff. Sometimes we uh, we'll sell a couple on some of the other. Uh, musky themed pages um but for now i think uh we're, we're we're in the midst of working on a website uh to try and facilitate this a little more quickly uh and have a more general uh access for everyone because not everybody is facebook friendly not everybody is uh on these musky themed pages um so we're going to try and put something together to where um, we have it a little more accessible for everybody. Awesome. Perfect. So with that, um, check out Fat Easy Musky products. We uh, have rod holders, Project X, jerk baits, swim baits, some gliders, and uh, you can find the jerk baits, especially the, the Raptor sizes at uh, Team Rhino Outdoors. You can also find them at Musky Tackle Online. You can uh, kind of message me the website is not up to date. Musky Tackle Online, you can thank them for that. <laughs> uh, Boss Shad, you can also find Boss Shads at Musky Tackle Online. Uh, Mark's Bait Tackle and Ammo, Ravenna, Ohio, they have an online store. They also have a Facebook page, and you can call them up, walk in the store, get your uh, bait, tackle, and ammo there. And um, BossShad.com, get straight to the uh, to the guy that makes them and paints them, <laughs> Paul Frischario. Also, thanks to Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishingguides.com. You better book now. Things are they're going to fill up. I guarantee it. And St. Croix Rods, best on earth. I don't think I missed anything. Okay, I got the AOK from Vance. So until next time, thanks for listening. Good luck fishing. <laughs>